Do you want me to post on Instagram uh, a survey? The one we talked about? Like, sh- should Marshall put his shoes back on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should I post that? I don't mind that. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to, to get everybody uh, uh, giving their opinion. Okay. I'm interested. <laughs> I, I'm so proud. Okay. You know, you were going to do, you used my hand as a, a model and it, those drawings look great. You're going to use my feet as a model. And I remember showing you my feet and you said, yeah, 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 maybe we'll do that. <laughs> Dude. But you never your, did. Your hands are like a 10. Yeah. It's hard for every part of your body to be at that yeah, level. Yeah, well. So my feet are what? Like what are they? Six, seven, two, five, two. Oh, two. I don't know. They're a, they're an average. Okay. I just use my own feet. Yeah. Okay. But your hands were like, wow. I need to get that, and I used it for the. Main and nobody hand. has complained about bare hands. Nobody said glove up those hands. Man, that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. If you put shoes on, you're gonna have to put on gloves too. Why are they discriminating against feet? I've never understood it. Let those feet be free. Yeah. I love being in the presence of the barefoot. It just feels right. Yeah. Alright guys, welcome back to the Draftsman Podcast. I'm Stan Prokopenko, created Proko. I'm Marshall Vandruff. I'm an art instructor. Hi Stan. Hey Marshall. Haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. This time for real. What is happening? Um, allergy season. So you suffer from allergies? Hear that? Oh, the listeners are gonna love that. Oh yeah. It's like eating. Tell yeah. me more. Uh well Is I've, allergy season in July? It's yeah. For me it's summertime and then sometimes I get a, a shorter one during the winter. Yeah. I'm allergic to canyon pollen. And you live near the canyon? Yes. So you've got an abundance of opportunities yeah. to be allergic. Yeah, that's great. Well, Allergies are the most you. debilitating thing for me. It, I'm really tired. I can't focus. I have very little motivation. I just want to sit down and like sleep. What will come when, of this? Not I, right now. I'm fine. My allergies are not bad right now. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about when I get bad allergies. Uh-huh. That's what happens. I just don't want to do anything. So should we have so. people put in the comments whether they have allergies or not? And I don't know if that is worth <laughs> That's the pin comment. Yeah. The, well, uh, we've guys. exhausted one topic at the beginning of our conversation. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Marshall, this episode is going to be about portfolios. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you guys love Marshall's voice, which so many of you have been commenting about, you're in for a treat. Are we? Yeah, because this is your episode. How? I have like very little to say about this. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I, I thought that was your I, way of introducing the anatomical skulls. Song. Yeah, I thought you were going to like a, play a you song. You thought that was a promo? No, the uh, the song that Mar- the extended version. Oh well. Okay. That is another thing. Maybe we'll, deal we'll with save that, that later, for next yeah. episode. Marshall okay. wrote. The anatomical skull song. I wrote the anatomical yeah, skull song. Let's save song. that for later. Let's do. They'll have enough of your voice in this one. The only portfolio I've ever put together was for CalArts, which is one of the top animation schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and my portfolio consisted almost entirely of Bridgman studies. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which makes completely no sense when you're applying for an animation program. So that's why I I think they can't, they shouldn't trust me for portfolio advice. (laughs) I have opinions about that, but we already went over those. Yeah. Okay. The extent of your portfolio experience, showing your portfolio to get a job was showing Bridgman work to get into an animation school. Yeah. I was young. Yeah. I'm still young and stupid. However, I, I do have experience hiring people, and I've looked at hundreds of portfolios, so I can talk a little bit about what I look for, but 
that is the thing I'm going to zero in on. Okay. That's why I want to talk is that people think that the portfolio is about me and the portfolio is about the client's needs. Okay. Okay. My first portfolio came out of being in the junior college and I had three separate styles. I had a kind of cartoon style. I had a rendering style. I had uh, another style that was uh, surreal and had a whole bunch of developed pencil work. And I had some other styles in there too. And I figured that if I were to show my portfolio to potential employers to tell them, look, I can do all sorts of things, they would be impressed. And sure enough, when I showed my portfolio, people said, good, this is good. Yeah, you're versatile. I got compliments galore, but I did not get jobs or I got very few jobs. And then someone explained to me that the portfolio is so that the client who has a need to solve a problem, that is, they've got a job that needs to be done and they don't want to look at you and admire at how versatile you are, unless they're hiring you for a versatile position. But that's another, another thing. Typically, what I found out is that most of the clients in the ad agencies in Orange County at the time, late 70s, early 80s, needed airbrush renderings of products. And so I made a separate portfolio that was specifically airbrush renderings of products, and those were the things that started to make money, and then more of the same kind of job started to happen as a result of that. And I had a separate one for the pencil stuff, had a separate one for the cartooning stuff, which didn't turn into work anyway. So that was the first thing I learned is to specialize if I'm going in where they've got a specific job and they need a specific time for that. Art directors are busy. Creative directors are busy. If they have to look at 50, 60, 100 portfolios, even if they have to look at, at 10 portfolios, the last thing they want to do is think about your personal life and about how versatile you are and whether your childhood was happy or not. The thing they care about is that will is this person fit for the job that I am hiring them for? And then another thing that's very important is can they do it on time and to spec? But those are, their job is, is to look good for their client. Their job is to meet a deadline. And so when they bring you in, you can either make that easier for them or make that harder for them. And to get into the mindset of the client is the first thing. Yeah. That's when you know exactly what they want, though, right? Uh, there is another issue, is that before showing a portfolio, it is wise to research. You should find out who hires the kind of work you do, and then instead of wasting all that energy showing everybody, aim where you're going to show your work to people who really do need that. That is the responsibility of the artist, the illustrator, the graphic designer, whoever it is trying to get the work is to, uh, to find out who you are, are uh, showing this to. Also, okay. if you know other people who've worked for that client, it's great to know who to show your work to. Uh, I did tons of jobs for Ingram Micro. And Ingram Micro, I got in there because one of my former students, Peter Sanchez, hired me to do some monsters for them. And then that led to another job with another art director and another art director. And then every time they bring in a new art director, you didn't even have to show your portfolio anymore because one art director would say, we, say, we use Marshall for that. And uh, you would also start to find out that certain art directors would be on campaigns that needed more of a particular kind of style. And so you'd end up saying, I'd like to show over to this uh, department, I'd like to show this. So again, all of the subtext of what I'm saying is that students often think the portfolio is about me. It is about you in that it shows your skills. But remember, the only reason it exists is because it's about them and they need to solve a problem and get a, a picture done on time. And you are showing them, I can do this. So instead of having one portfolio that you show to everyone, you need to tailor your portfolio for each client. And it was so hard to do that. It was so hard to do that because I was hungry for compliments. It's like, I don't just do that. I want you to see that I also do this and I want you to see it. And so there's this restraining. Mm -hmm. And another friend said, you know, they'll find that out if you really want compliments. As they get to know you, they will find that out. And that's those. Uh -huh. there's some other stories about that of, of introducing other styles later. 
that's point one. I don't know whether I'm done with it. I, I feel like, as you say that, though, almost everybody does that, right? Uh, Where, like, pretty much everyone just no. has one portfolio. Because when I, when I review portfolios or demo reels, uh, a lot of people send me um, a link to their YouTube channel where mm. they have their demo reel. Okay, yes. I've reviewed a lot of animation and like modeling and rigging jobs because mm -hmm. th those are the artists I hire for my videos. Mm -hmm. um, and I could just go to their YouTube channel and see what other videos they have on there. And usually they just have one demo reel. Mm -hmm. So they don't have a demo reel tailored to different types of jobs. And that's good, clients. right? That makes it so that you can look at it and see what they do in a matter of... I don't know. Based on what you're saying, that's bad because they just have one reel that they're sending to everyone, right? Well, they're not tailoring it to me. But they aren't sending it to everyone, though. They're not? Right? I mean, they're sending it to people. If they're actually sending it to you and saying, look at my reel, they're doing that because they're assuming you are, in, you are hiring for an animator or a rigger or somebody specific. Yes. Well, tell me how you feel about it. When you look at these reels, how long are they typically? About a minute. Yeah. And in a minute, you can make your decision real quickly whether you yeah. like it or not. Yeah. Because it's like their highlights. It's their best stuff. And they just put like little clips of all these different projects. Yeah. Um, I have gotten some where people sent me like a demo reel and then like a finished project that they worked on. And it's a few minutes of like a full on story. Mm -hmm. And that helps. Mm -hmm. The more I could see, the better. Because sometimes when it's just a demo reel and it's like a minute of just their best stuff, I could, I'll know if it's bad right away, mm -hmm. like if it doesn't fit. But sometimes I'm like, that could work, but I'd like to see more. Mm -hmm. I want a better idea of this person. That's when I start researching and I go to like the social media accounts and that's yeah. pretty easy to find nowadays. <laughs> oh, well, we are opening up something here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, you know, be careful with that. I'm not sure we, we should segue into that or save that. We for can late. save let's, that. You're leading this one. Let's, That's fine. We'll segue into it for a minute or two. Okay. Do you know how much your social media account and your internet presence is a part of the permanent historic record? Yes. And that <laughs> every potential opportunity in your life if you are dealing with responsible people, that they will be aware of it. Sometimes uh, you get lucky. How? Like uh, MySpace accidentally deleted the first like 10 years of everything that they ever had on MySpace. I see. And so that doesn't exist safe. anymore. <laughs> yeah. So some, you get lucky. Yeah. I have seen students' lives uh, almost ruined. Really? Yeah. Because of Can stuff you... they posted on Facebook. And then everybody knows that they posted that on Facebook. And because they posted on that Facebook, they get branded as the person who's mm -hmm. out to get somebody else or whatever else. That there's a vindictive spirit. Those kinds of things can uh, can follow you for years. Yeah, I, in fact, we saw some of this even happen in the last year wow. uh, with a, a feud for, uh, between people. So yeah, that's another thing is that you, uh, if if there's a lot at stake, it may be that if somebody's hiring you for a single job and it's going to be a one week thing and they're going to pay you a certain amount of money and they're never going to hire you again. They may not not care, but if they're hiring you for a longer term relationship. That's where those kinds of things become important. Now, here's something that I think is going on different between what you're observing, where you're saying that, you know, they'll send you a one-minute reel and it may be that you want to see more and that they are sending something that's appropriate to what you hire for yeah. is that you are around, you are looking at the work of people who are professionals or soon-to-be professionals. Mm -hmm. And I'm spending much more of my time with students, some of uh, whom are just out of high school, Okay, who are preparing for a career, and so they don't yet know how this works. And so that process of beginning, getting your training, and then somewhere two, three, four, five years into that, really saying, I've got enough of my training, I've got to get my work done now, how do I present myself to clients? And it's woefully lacking in most uh, educational institutions. It seems to be, it seems to happen better with people who just say, I'm going to do this on my own. And they figure I've got to make money for it. And so they're thinking about how am I going to get anybody to hire me for this right away? Whereas in your, when you're in the safe environment of a place where you are paying them to teach you, your energy is typically not how can I get them to pay me? 
and that's the energy that you you shift toward for a portfolio. That's why a portfolio exists. I put on the I have a slideshow that explains a career does not happen until you've had jobs. And jobs do not happen until you have two things, a portfolio and connections, people to show it to. And portfolios do not happen until you have skills. And skills do not happen until you have training. And training is why we are in this class, so that there is a logical <laughs> progression yeah. to get the career. You know, the crazy thing, though, for, that I've observed is that your ability to get a job starts at that step one, though, in that class. It sure does. How are you thinking? I'm thinking of, I think it's something like half of the freelancers that I have working for me right now have been recommended by you. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and they've been good people, right? Yeah, and you recommended them to me because of how well they did in your class. Yeah. The Marshall Bump. The Marshall Bump. I mean, I trust you. And it your your word has never been wrong yet. And I don't want it to be. That's very important yeah. to me. And so when you recommend someone to me, I take it very seriously. And and so I'm sure that students don't realize how important their behavior in classes and how well they do on their projects is oh. how much it's going to affect their career. Networking <laughs> begins in the classroom. Again, I remember years ago that there was an animation studio that needed a an animator they needed an animator in this week and this was in the the late 90s and i had a few students who were such good animators i said they should be the ones they said uh well they're already employed which is often what happens is the good students get employed pretty quickly and then i was hesitating and i was thinking should i recommend this one guy and i mentioned him because he was one of the best animators of the bunch. But he had a bad reputation. He's a conceited guy, kind of put a gig, gave everybody grief. But I mentioned to him and they said, uh, yeah, we've, we've already uh, interviewed him. Uh. And uh, we didn't like him. Uh, so what I think a number of students do not recognize is that the, uh, excuse me, the arena of networking begins when you're a freshman it begins as soon as it begins even when you're in high school yeah because when you're in high school and in junior high you're making relationships that you don't know that some of these relationships aren't going to be your most important employers and it especially happens with this wonderful irony that the people who were below you in their social status will be above you in their social status and that they will be the ones who give you your career and hire you so it's uh that's why that's just kind of the logic behind the maxim of I try to look at every student as a future employer of me. Uh, <laughs> it's got all, all sorts That's of funny. problems. But yeah, that is, that is uh, where the networking begins is in a classroom. Yeah. And if you do have a bad reputation, you can start over kind of. Right? Uh, like you could change your ways and you can turn things around. Sometimes you have to go to another in, uh, environment to do it. Yeah. If it was local enough to where the breach, uh, again, I have stories, but they're dangerous to tell. If the breach is really local, you can say, look, if I just get into another environment and I will change my energy. But I have seen some people change their energy in this environment and everybody acknowledges. It's why community, it's one important reason why community mm -hmm. exists is to keep us away from our worst impulses. And so... Uh, yeah, but I have, again, lots of stories of that kind of thing. But let's get back to the, the main point. The main point yeah. is that it's not just a portfolio. Portfolios are representatives of skills. I, we knew of a guy who got jobs with someone else's portfolio. <laughs> he did this. This was back when we were students. <laughs> well, what happens when he can't do the work? Yeah. And this was a guy who had that vibe of, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. <laughs> I got the job. That's How much true. worse? Fake it till you make it. <laughs> Yes. Okay, but, but how far were his skills from the portfolio he was showing? I don't even remember. Was it I like 
Klaus. I didn't know him closely, but we know he was in our uh, environment, but I didn't know him closely. But he okay. was one of those people. It, this, that's the kind of person who should become a salesperson, except that I wouldn't trust them to be no. ethical. Yeah. But they're, the best salespeople aren't liars. They're, but they're, the, the thing is, his energy goes toward he feels accomplished in having made the sale more than he feels accomplished in having done the work. So I don't know if that makes him a good salesperson. Yeah, well, yes, not a salesperson I want as a rep. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, well, let, let's take a moment with the specialization and diversity thing. If you're going into a big company, chances are you're going to have to specialize because you will play one role typically, especially on entry level. But if you're going into a small company where it's just one or two or three people, that was the way it was with you, right? When you were starting out, you wanted someone who could do cameras and sound and editing and yeah. uh, deal with people and everything else. I was looking for well-rounded people that yeah. just had a general good understanding of technology mm -hmm. so they can handle cameras and also just be able to learn quickly. Those mm -hmm. were the main things I was looking for. I didn't really care that they didn't know like Sean I hired Sean he was the my second editor um, he didn't know how to use Premiere he never used Premiere before and mm -hmm. I hired him as my editor uh -huh. and Premiere was what I was using but I hired him because I knew he could learn it quickly and it took him a few weeks and he was he got it down he was better than me at it after that so yes. it's about the person not necessarily about their exact skills when you're yeah. going into a startup <laughs> Absolutely. I think that too. I had a, yeah. a student who barely knew Premiere and uh, he gave me a hundred hours of editing for the Noman uh, DVD and uh, I credited him on the Noman DVD and he barely knew it, but he was so enjoyable to work with that those hundred hours were just looking forward to hanging out and mm. working in Premiere and, and whenever he couldn't, uh, whenever he didn't know how to solve a problem, all you got to do is give him 24 hours and he's going to be able to saw, come yeah. back and, and solve that problem on the next round. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody Google. said that no, you never get hired by a company. You, only, you get hired by people in the company. And that's why relationships are as least as big a part as the portfolio. But there's a, another thing about portfolios. Uh, almost nobody hires us to do something that we haven't done before. They want to know that under the pressure of a deadline, under the pressure, especially early jobs, when you get these first jobs and your whole family is kind of freaking out with you, that it, you've got a deadline, you got to get this, to, and it's got to be up to that level. There's a surge of energy, emergency energy, that if you do not make this deadline, you damage your reputation. And clients like to know that you didn't just do it once. They also like to know that you didn't just do it in school, presumably in a nurturing environment. They want to know that you've done it a number of times and that you've done it fast, and that way they feel more secure that they're hiring you for their security, that I don't have to worry about them, they'll get the job done. So it helps to have that. It helps to have a, a portfolio that proves you can do it, and you can do it again, and you can do it again, and it was not lucky. But the maxim in my time, I'm, when I say my time, the late 70s and early 80s, for portfolios, because we did not have the internet, printing things was really expensive. Mm. Uh, we, uh, I mean, you could spend up to $100 a print to get a color print of something. So they were investments. We were also told, make them matted with two inches gray mat, two inches gray mat, three inches at the bottom, all consistent with the same color mat so that it looks professional. And there was something to that. I remember asking Mr. <laughs> McFadden, why is that important if the artwork is really good? He says, why is it important for you to wear clean underwear? <laughs> so there was the thing about make make it so that the pre presentation. <laughs> this was your teacher? Yes. This, this was when you fat, were in yeah, college? When I was yeah, 18, 19 years old. But we used to carry around a physical portfolio that might have originals or prints in there. And the maxim was have 12 pieces because 12 pieces is enough for a creative director to flip through it quickly and say, yeah, go show this to Sam, the art director. And then you've, you've proven your point. 24 pieces takes too long, but I got some of my most lucrative jobs uh, with three pieces. In fact, let me tell this story. Uh, the presentation is nice, 
to have a, a good presentation, but it is not the most important thing. Bruce Mayo used to tell me, tell me they got some of their biggest campaigns with stuff they did with a rollerball on a restaurant napkin. And they'd show that to the client. And it's like, oh, that's just great. And so they'd sell the idea. And I went into an agency in the 1980s that I was doing airbrush rendering for. And Dennis and Travis, the two art directors, said, we need someone who does cartoons, caricatures, like uh, we're going to do Joey Suzu. I said, who's Joey Suzu? I said, oh, he's a, a guy on TV, and he would pitch. Uh, he was like a sleazy car salesman type. I didn't have TV, so I didn't know anything about it. And they, they showed me a commercial of this guy, and they said, do you know anybody who does this kind of thing? And I happened to have in my back pocket three 35 millimeter slides in a plastic frame and I gave them to Dennis and Dennis holds them up to the fluorescent light and says yeah yeah you're our guy you can do this <laughs> and they hired me to do Joe Isuzu and they hired me over and over for two or three years to do Joe Isuzu and I only did one picture of his face but we used stat cameras back then and copy machines to splice it in and airbrush over the top of it I did him skiing I did him waving his hat, all of these things for automobile uh, dealerships. And it was really lucrative, and I got it on three 35-millimeter slides. They already knew that I could meet the deadlines. Now what they cared about is, can you do this style? And it means it saves them time having to look through a whole bunch of portfolios. So referrals are another thing. You refer your friends. You want to do good networking. Refer your friends to lucrative jobs, and they will love you forever. They'll remember. Yeah. How are we doing on this? It's great. You're doing amazing, Marshall. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I want to go put together a portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, have slide. Marshall well, judge your portfolio? <laughs> have Marshall judge my... Yeah, Marshall, maybe I could dig up my uh, CalArts portfolio and have you judge it. I don't know if I... I think I might have... I had to send like the original sketchbook or something. Do you know who John Shindahedi is? Yeah, of course. For those of you who don't know who John Shindahedi is, he was the creative director for Wizards of the Coast for a number of years, and he hired out 10,000 works of art a year. 10,000 illustrators? How can he go Illustrations that, a year. He had uh, about three to 400 illustrators that were of his, that were supplying for him constantly. Okay. And John was very generous with students explaining to them how you show, portfo uh, show portfolios. I had him as a guest in my class a couple times. And we'd ask, I, you know, the, the question to ask a guy like that is somebody who hires as much art as you do, uh, what would you like students to know? And the first thing he said was, you would not believe how many people send me their work. And it's good work, and I'd hire them and they don't include any way to get hold of them. What? No, that can't be true anymore. Uh, now, hang on. I'm not done with this. Okay. So. My response was, John, I would believe how many because the only thing as a teacher that I think I'm really a hard ass about is that you must put your name on the project on the file name so that it shows up when you're searching it on the hard drive and in the pixels so that when it shows up with those gobbledygook titles when you download them from Facebook, you still have your name embedded into the pixels. But that's one of the first lessons to learn is make it, again, I think the reason why students don't do it is that they forget what the purpose of this is. You're trying to get them to hire you. But if they want to hire you, and they don't know how to get hold of you, you haven't thought that through. And that's where the energy has got to go. It's to serve the client. So are you talking about like sometimes your individual drawings or paintings from your portfolio could get separated and some art director might see that one drawing and not the resume that came with it? Because the resume usually has contact information on it, right? And also many an art director and creative director says, I never even look at the resume. I just but don't the they work. know to look at it to, to contact but, for contact information? But what about when you do a piece that goes viral? What about when you do a piece that gets out there and there's a million people who've seen it and they say, this is wonderful, and there's no name on it, and so it just becomes a part of the culture, and then you're scrambling behind saying, hey, I, I remember I was the one that did that. It should always have 
your name and your contact number, or at least your name if you got a unique name and your contact okay. number. On I feel the image. like this problem is not a problem anymore. The reason you feel that this problem is not a problem anymore is because you are in a professional world where everybody has already been vetted by the time they get to you. And again, I am in a student world where students don't seem to think about this, and this, they 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 have to be uh, they have to be held accountable. You got to have your name on it. Well, this was a long. This Wait, hold on, hold excursion. on, hold on. I don't want to stop. This is okay. interesting. Okay, keep it going. When a, if a, let's say a student puts his work out there on social media mm -hmm. and it goes viral, mm -hmm. you can find out who did that original piece very How? easily. How? A reverse image search on Google or there, there's other websites where you could search okay. for them. You are correct. I mean, people today know how to find people, how to research on the internet. You are correct. So let me tell you why this is still an issue. Uh-huh. Because knowing art directors as I have. Okay, so they're all old. No, no. <laughs> no they are busy. Yeah, okay, of course. And I remember John Deerstein told me once that he, he I, I watched art directors look at portfolios. I watched in a game company, I watched scores of portfolios go through that game company. And if there's anything like that you put in the CD back then and it's not going to load quickly, it's just forget about it. That they, they label it wrong. One of the ways of vetting is to say, I don't have time to look up this person because I've got another hundred people who want to showcase their work for me. But if... If you saw their work online because it went viral, they're not necessarily applying for the job. Yeah. If you saw them and you said, oh my God, that's perfect. That's the guy I want to hire. That yes. means you don't want to look at the other hundred because you've already found the one. You are correct. And then you could spend a few minutes yes. searching who this is instead of looking through the other hundred. If you say, that's perfect. That's the one I yeah. want to hire. If you say, that's pretty good. I could use that. Then you don't you don't get it. Okay, yeah, so yeah. you're saying every piece you post on social media, you got to put your contact information on the drawing and painting. If no if, one's if, gonna do that, if it's something that is to represent your skills, why not? But everything represents your skills, right? Every drawing or painting you put out there. Yeah, let's okay. Let's take the I other don't side. No, Marshall, I let's, don't think people are gonna actually do this. And I wouldn't recommend they 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 post on Instagram with all their contact information. I would if I saw someone doing that. Mm -hmm. Every one of their social posts has all their oh, contact. Okay, now we're talking. I look at them like, what the hell? The other problem, the other now problem what? is to have a huge watermark that says, yeah. "This is my property, copyright." That me. rubs me the wrong. Do way. not republish. Yes, that's like, the other. Okay, extreme. I don't want to even talk to this guy. Yeah, yeah he's got issues. Right. He's got other issues, that's but I don't issue. even want to deal with him. You're right. He might be too protective of his work. Yeah, yeah. But in in a in the lower corner, to put a little thing yeah. with your name. <laughs> little thing with your your logo your name maybe yeah your signature yeah that's fine yeah but contact information <laughs> my god okay i feel I like i would just laugh i feel like uh i i overstated this which uh, no i think it's probably it was probably true in your day <laughs> pre instagram pre facebook pre google even really right oh uh, yeah yes but even today though because when you download facebook stuff it doesn't have the, you know, the, the titles become uh, garbage. You know, they become, I mean, they, they become cryptic stuff, 00056986. The titles? Oh, yeah, the yeah, title yeah, of the, yeah. the image? That's right. File? So there's, there's that, which is why you should have your name in the pixels. Yeah. And sign your work right yeah. on the work. Yeah. yeah. My signature is legible. Mm -hmm. You can read my name. It says Proco. No. That's Proko Panko, Marshall. Oh, it's just Proko My name Pinko. is not Proko. Oh, okay. I was thinking of your, your teaching. Okay. I, would think, I would hope you'd know that. Yeah, I did know that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. That's why. Because kind of for that reason, is it wants, if somebody sees my work without it being connected to any of my accounts or anything, they could still read it and then type it into Google. Yeah. And then they'd find me. And Prokopenko is an unusual name too. I mean, there's right. not a lot of artists running around. With yeah, if name. my last name was Smith, I would put my first name in my signature yeah. as well. Okay, well, there's the big difference between my time and now, which is that we've got the internet. Your yeah. your portfolio. You don't need a portfolio anymore. Your your web presence is your portfolio. It You're, should be. You should think about yeah. it as part of it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, 
having branding is a part of it. When you chose Proco, it simplified your name. It uh, it's immediately recognized for it to simplify my name. Yeah, it was just my company name. Your parents were okay that you were actually taking off the Penko part. I the... didn't rename myself. I named my company. Oh, so I'm I'm still on that You're one. You're still on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It wasn't intended to be like a nickname for myself. Okay. Yeah. I was just like, what should I name my company? Proco. Might yeah. as well legally change it now. No, not <laughs> legally. I like Proco Penko. I do too. It gets confused with Prokofiev though when you type it That's into true. Google. That's true, but so does Proco. That's right. Yeah. Proco just gets autocorrected but to yeah. Prokofiev. <laughs> we'll deal with Prokofiev later. Uh, I'll never be able to compete with him. Uh, yeah, good. You don't know Prokofiev's music, do you? I do. You introduced me to it like five. When did we meet? Yeah. Like, yeah, you six years ago. Yeah, yeah. That's like one of the first things you told me about. Did you know uh, Prokofiev? Sh- should I, I should I quiz you? Know you? Should I quiz you on which pieces you know? <laughs> no, I I cannot name pieces. Okay. Even some of the best, like my favorite musicians, I can't name their songs. Mm-hmm. I just play the playlist, and there it is. I don't look at the names. This is the portfolio episode. We have been talking about portfolio, <laughs> sort of. No, what do you tell? <laughs> I think this has been very good. I'm happy. I've learned you. a yeah. lot. Yeah. You probably haven't because you've given all the good advice. Uh, what was okay? We we've talked about John Shindahedi. The first thing he said was, "You should make it so that I can get hold of you," and you wouldn't believe how many people don't do that. And my response is, "Yes, I would believe it." And I think with that group that he was speaking to, had the highest ratio of student to professional with the fastest trajectory that I have ever seen in my career. I think that they they were the kind of students that we've got John Shindahedi here and he's telling us how to do it and he is the real world. Make sure that that's an action item and that is something that's going to be part of my habit now that it will always let people know how to get hold of me. But it doesn't, that's, that's yeah. just one little thing. So he was saying to put contact info on each piece in your portfolio. No, he was just no? saying, let me know how to get hold of you. Okay. And that you wouldn't believe what's the best way? To put your contact name on the contact information in a little thing in, I just name, asked you in a lower corner. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, okay. All right. Ten minutes of podcast oh, time, and we have made this point, Marshall. You never need to talk about it the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that the fundamental diagnosis of the problem with portfolios is forgetting that it's it's for the person who's going to pay the money. You can get, there's no trouble getting people to take your money. To show, you know, you had tr- trouble with CalArts taking your money. They would not take your money because you well, had, had plenty of other people who wanted That's right. yeah. their money to be taken. The hard thing is to get people to give you money. And so that's what this is to say, look at what, in fact, you know, the term masterpiece, I'm told, was a way of showing that you were a master, that you would uh, be an apprentice and then you get your level up to where you would master it and then you do some pieces that show you're a master and that's a, or you're, you're ready. We can trust you to give you money on this. And I think that if when a student is putting together their portfolio, that having that as a mindset can help them make their own decisions as to whether it should go in. And then when you don't know what, to make, uh, what decision to make, that's where you research the client. That's where you see what have they hired before and what is it, what are they likely to hire? Or if you're really creative, when the Pixar folks did an afternoon in about 2007 in LA at the uh, direct, I think it was the Directors Guild, uh, they had a whole after, Saturday afternoon with uh, Pixar. And what it, the main question people ask is, how do you work at Pixar? They talked about how much time they spend on YouTube and that they like looking at people's works to see what they like. And they say, when people show us portfolios, they're always showing us the stuff that we've already done. We're looking for stuff that's different from what we've done, Hmm. which they may be, and they may be looking for it, but not really willing to use it. That happens quite a bit. People say, show us something different, and you show it, and they say, yeah, that's different, and don't use you. (laughs) Yeah, that's different for sure. But if you're creative, and there's a client that you want to work for, research the client and see if you can speculate their trajectory. And there may be the chance that you will be the person 
who can show them something. They say we're looking for something that's this. We've been getting, you know, the sales are, are not as what we'd like them to be because this our stuff isn't as edgy, our stuff isn't as whatever it is that your stuff happens. That's when you're committed to a client that you've been you've cared about their work for years. You're looking at it. Maybe it also may be too lofty. It may be that one individual thinks they can do it, but there are those things kind of things do happen. That yeah. when Disney, you know, had Ub Iwerks and the Disney look is essentially the Ubi Works work uh, look, and then Disney Animation as it went on is essentially uh, all all those people that he was uh, that were. Yeah, but that's rare. It is rare. Yeah. Right. Would you Would you give that advice to kind of a, a general audience of students? I wouldn't give it to someone who wants to work for Blizzard or Disney. Disney is going to say, "Good, we're going to we're going to steer this ship according to what you have to offer us." <laughs> uh, but I I would give it to remember. You know, all of my students want to work for a few big clients, and Disney and Pixar and DreamWorks and Blizzard are always at the top of the list. I remember when Blizzard was a small game company. I remember when they were interviewing people that turned them down or that they turned down, and this was before World of Warcraft. And when you get into companies that you admire, but they are not yet big, then you're getting into an environment where you may make a bigger difference in the company. In fact, it's happened with Proco, right? I mean, you've got people around you that have been with you for a few years, and as you were growing, they've been influential on where you've gone. Have they not? I mean, of course. Everybody adds an element of their themselves into it. But what do you mean, exactly? Again, Disneyland, uh, uh, Herb Ryman, you know, uh, Disneyland was designed by Walt and Herb Ryman, or at least the initial design, in one night. Most everybody knows who Walt Disney was. Uh, they who? don't. <laughs> Do you know who Herb Ryman was? No. <laughs> uh, look up Herb Ryman. Herb Ryman was a great illustrator, and he is the one who designed the layout of Disneyland where you've got the hub okay. and Adventureland and Tomorrowland and all that stuff. Okay. It's a few people when it's at its beginning stages that are gonna have the biggest, oh, I can think of a recent example. This is a great example, uh, Cuphead. Because Cuphead was so, no, nobody was saying we've gotta do more 2D animation that looks like the Fleischer Brothers stuff, not Disney Fleischer Brothers. Nobody was saying we've gotta do that so it sells. So you got two brothers who love that style, and they've got a few people around them who happened to be their people, and they developed this incredible property. And then that first week or two that it was going, they were making, uh, you know, they were bringing in millions of dollars a week yeah. because everyone was so excited about, there's a whole other lesson in there, and that's to go back to the old stuff and revive it for the new stuff. But the other thing is- In a new is, way. Yes, in a new way. Oh, don't you love how it looks? Love Doesn't it. Cuphead look I was obsessed great? with the look too. I never played it, but I was just yeah. I was just watching YouTube videos of other people playing it yeah. because I loved how it looked. Yeah. And they, they weren't the first ones to do that. The Squirrel Nut Zippers did uh, that uh, uh, Stephen Foster music video where they used the Fleischer Brothers styles. And even the 1960s underground artists, uh, Rick Griffin and, and Robert Crumb and that bunch, they were really enamored with uh, the 1920s, 30s Fleischer Brothers stuff. But the, the point is that you are less likely to be in a big company and say, let's do a project that's 2D animation that looks 1930s and have it go through all the hoops to actually happen unless you're already in a position of great power at that company. But if you, because you're trying to steer the Titanic, but if you are in a small boat and you can say, look, there's a few of us, we think we can go in this way and do it quality enough to make it a hit. That's the kind of stuff that gets me excited. I love yeah. seeing that. It's just so, it's countercultural, and yet it, it's going to contribute to the culture. Yeah, everybody at Broco contributes. I mean, we have meetings, we brainstorm, people's mm -hmm. ideas get used. It's not, I'm not making all the decisions. I mean, John was the one that created 12 Days of Proco. Was he? Yeah, and that's like, a big thing ever, that we do every year now. Uh, this is John Birchall. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Yes. Yeah. John is the guy who does the uh, the funny ads that we start this uh, podcast the with. Funny, right? The memes? Yeah, the memes. He does the memes. Well, I mean, Sean did one of them, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's, did John do all the other ones? Yeah, John, John did, did all the other ones. John's I think, been memeing. Yeah. Yeah, John's memeing. 
Um, but John did that Heineken one. I think so. Yes. Yeah, yeah he did the Heineken. Yeah, that's yeah, my favorite that one. Because it's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But isn't it supposed to be Tosaki? Yeah, it's Tosaki. Oh, it's it oh, Tosaki. Oh, okay. So it's I not Heineken. Know. It's not Heineken. Okay. It's Tosaki. Yeah, sorry, Tosaki. <laughs> All right, Marshall, so we're going to do a voicemail, a quick one, because okay. this has been a long episode. Uh, if you guys want to call in to leave a voicemail, the, the number is in the description. Um, a lot of people have been asking if they don't, if they're like international and it costs too much to call, how can they ask a question? You guys can record a wave, an MP3, just record your audio and just email it to us. That'll work as well. Just email support at proco.com. Yeah. yeah. And if you can't speak English, I'm sorry. Find now. a family member. I'm sorry for now. Find a family member yeah. that can translate it. Yeah. Maybe we'll have a, a segment sometime later in the podcast where we'll take emails and stuff like that. But right now we're just doing voice calls because we want to play the voice of the student. Or debabalize it and have your computer read it aloud. <laughs> that'd be funny. If someone yeah. did that, that'd yeah. be very creative. Sure. We might have. There yeah. is one that we might want to play um, just because of the fact that it's someone from India who uh -huh. apparently used a website to. Like, oh, send. perfect. All right. Um, let's do that one. Yeah. Here's someone being creative. Yeah. And because of the creativity, we they got thrown right into right, the front. That's it. They shifted in. All right. Here we go. Um. Hey, okay, I don't know if this works. I'm using some form of uh, free call using a website. I'm from India, and I'm I'm assuming this is the Praco uh, podcast. Anyway, the question I want to ask is that uh, besides, um, you know, your drawing habits, I want to know whether your uh, uh what time you go to sleep and and what kind of food that food you eat <laughs> and uh, whether hey. your sleeping routine and your this is uh they're not using help, a computer uh your it. It, it no it's definitely his voice uh What's he used saying? he's using some kind of website to forward the call i think oh but he to wants to know what time I go to sleep and what kind of food I eat. Yeah, yeah he okay. wants to know. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> he wants to know you're eating and sleeping. <laughs> God damn it. Marshall, I'm really curious. What kind of food do you eat? I never no, see you eat. No, no. No? I got to know why he wants to know this. Because I can answer, he feels I can answer sleepy. the question. He feels sleepy. He feels sleepy while he's, when he does like a long day of art. Oh. What, in Normal. other words, like maintenance, that kind of thing? Yeah. That's, that's, that's something to ask a nutritionist. You I, know what I do. I know. Caffeine. Hey, well, I'll, I, <laughs> we'll tell you something that's interesting <laughs> about eating habits, because I just found this out in the last uh, uh, couple months. Some new research that has shown that if you fast for 12 hours and you do it regularly, that it has measurable health benefits. I have Intermittent fasting. Yeah, I'm just called. getting in the habit now of I'm fasting 12 hours at five, six days a week. Some people just naturally do that. Yeah. Brandon does that naturally, right? But he doesn't eat breakfast. Sometimes yeah. he skips lunch and he just eats huh. dinner. So that's like 24 hour fasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He'll eat for an hour. And then he won't eat for another 24 hours. Well, you don't do that extreme anymore, but you used to do that. You used to just eat once a day. See, I heard that, like when I was a kid, I heard that was really bad. I to did just too. eat once a day. And now they're saying it's good. I don't know what to believe anymore. Every time there's new research, it seems like it <laughs> get but Yeah, I, I remember it, we used to be told that grazing was good. And so I grazed for years. I just eat whenever I was hungry, you know, yeah. 15 times a day, just eat a little bit. Like you would hungry. walk around the grassy field? No, like, no, no. It was like little healthy snacks. Just, oh, oh is that I'm hungry, means? I'll just keep the hunger okay. pangs away all the time. I heard that eating causes cancer. Oh, well, That's then the there's new a research. solution. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, subject of sleeping habits does become relevant when you're on deadlines and you've got 24-hour uh, and 36-hour shifts that you've got to get this thing done. There was a book called Freelance Forever by Marietta somebody. It came out in the late 70s, 80s. Uh, I ha had it. I gave it to a student. Only one of my students in the last year or so has really pursued freelancing. 
and I gave it to her even it's a dated book and it was before the internet but she had some really good ex, uh, advice for people who have the freelance lifestyle which is not regulated it's emergency mode uh, and then feast feast and famine uh, have to meet the deadline and then be without work for a while and she had a part in there where she addressed sleep issues you know I've opened up a document on what I know about sleep habits and meeting deadlines and when you have to go for a long time. You want to make that document public? Yeah, yeah, I could do that. Really? Yeah. Wow. I was totally expecting you to say no and then I was going to say, damn it, Marshall. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to do that. So I'll let you work out how to how to do it. But I can take everything. Yeah. This And this is not stuff that is based on on legitimate research. This is based on me and a few of my peers who all lived in the same area and made our living as freelancers and what we learned to do okay. to survive those kind, that kind of pressure. Cool. The only thing I can offer is that when I don't want to feel sleepy, I just don't eat carbs. Mm -hmm. I'll just eat protein. Yeah. Protein and like a little bit of vegetables or something. Yeah, and that doesn't make me sleepy. Oh, another thing that is, is even worth mentioning here. Do not start with caffeine. Uh, uh, God, start with your. You tell me now. Yeah, no. I mean, don't, when I I don't mean don't start with caffeine as a habit. I would like everybody to be addicted to caffeine. I, I love what, what the effect of it. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. But when I'm saying when you're on a long distance trek, when you're on a deadline that's intense, do not start out with a cup of coffee. Wait until the first wave of oh. energy goes down and then let it kick you back otherwise because you know how it works when you yeah. keep using caffeine it can really give you agitation nervous issues that make everything worse mm -hmm. so the idea is don't bring a drug into it to start yeah. bring it in when it's there specifically to deal with an issue which is that I'm about to <laughs> fall down this is going to keep Marshall's me drug advice yeah Mar that's it yeah. <laughs> Marshall you drug peddler <laughs> I experimented with caffeine tens of thousands of times to know it. So that if, if I don't know how much you can extrapolate from what I know about the effects of caffeine to everything else. Most people know. I'll give it a effects. try. I know people that, oh, I've got a, got a 24 hour uh, thing that I'm going to be on soon. So they start with a cup of coffee. That's a huge mistake. Start with a nap. Start with a nap? Yeah. So when you wake up in the morning, mm -hmm. take a nap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> to get you going. Great advice. Oh, we've opened up a whole other subject of <laughs> sleep deprivation, uh, the use of drugs, power naps, deadlines. I don't I know. I love your drug advice. Yeah. Okay, Start we'll, we'll put it in a document. Spare all of this because this, this has been long. I, I love this. Okay, well, good. Okay, well, I think we've gone too long. My thing this week is ending the episode. What's uh, yours? Let's do it. Let's end it. All right. We got the same thing this week. Yay. All right. What's the question for the week? Send both of you their portfolios. Everyone send your Everyone send your portfolio. Everyone send your portfolio. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. No. Oh. Send Marshall. Marshall, what's your email address? No. <laughs> portfolio review with Marshall Vandrew. Portfolio viewing horror stories. There we go. What's the worst that has happened when you've shown your portfolio? Yeah, the worst reaction. All right. Everyone, leave your portfolio viewing horror stories down below in the comments on YouTube. And any successes are okay, too, but the horror stories are always more interesting. Yeah. Anything portfolio-related, just comment below. It's easier to learn from failure. Yeah. And okay. I didn't talk about all the times that I showed my portfolio and I was so drenched in sweat out of nervousness. Okay, great. All right. And please leave a five-star rating on iTunes. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys.